we need to constantly adapt and we constantly need to create. It's all about, you know, change and being adaptive, facilitating people to motivate and inspire them to make changes, to make tweaks to their life. And a change can be small, a change can be big. But, you know, that's really where you make the difference in moving forward, right? If you're making great digital work, prove it. The call for entries for the Lovey Awards is open. Enter by the 5th of August at loveyawards.com. Presented by the Webbies, the Lovey Awards was founded to honour the best of the internet in Europe. Think ad campaigns, digital marketing, games, social, immersive experiences and podcasts like this one. Entering your work recognises the team and winning proves that they're the best creative talent in Europe. Work is accepted across seven languages, English, French, German, Spanish, Italian, Dutch and Swedish. Join this symbol of the internet and creative excellence. Enter by the 5th of August at loveyawards.com. Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative. And this is a weekly show where I get to interview a very exciting and interesting person from the industry about what the vision for the future of the marketing and advertising industries are. And this week is no different. I'm on a call with Sally Boss, who is Executive Marketing Director, EMIA at Hexagon Asset Lifestyle Intelligence Division. So Sally, thanks so much for joining us. Can you give the audience a bit of a background and overview on who you are and what you do yeah sure thank you yeah i'm sally indeed um thanks for having me today um i am i'm currently working at hexagon actually um i worked there quite a long time already almost 25 years uh, started there after i graduated and um did a lot of different areas from sales, sales development and marketing. And indeed, currently are heading up the uh, EMEA marketing team for Hexagon's Asset Lifecycle Intelligence Division. True. So 25 years. So you, you must be either like really, really, really good that they can't possibly get rid of you or really bad. And they can't, they can't find a way yeah. to get rid of you. You know, <laughs> when I got hired, I really said, okay. Well, two to three years max. And yeah, every, you know, other year I got a new job and uh, a new opportunity. So, um, yeah, still here. <laughs> Enjoying well, it. Well, congratulations, man. That must be great to have such a fulfilling career in one place over, over such a long time. So in that 25 years, what new belief or behavior has helped your work-life balance? So I think the thing that helped me a lot in uh, you know my quality of my work life has really been my work-life balance itself. If I look back, um, I'm from a person, I'm really a hard worker and I also enjoy working hard. So uh, when people say, well, you shouldn't work too much, I was always like, well, if I enjoy what I do, why shouldn't I? And also being very, um, you know, let's say focused on healthy food, being active, doing my sports. I always thought like I had a good balance, but um, I learned actually that it um, killed me a few times in the fact saying I didn't have a good balance. And especially with traveling about 80% of my time, I realized my work-life balance is not really that good um, because I didn't rest and sleep enough and I didn't understand fully what balance meant. So this I've been working on a lot myself and also with my team and people around me. Because again, during COVID, if you saw, you know, we all suddenly, I didn't have a travel and I thought, oh, you know, my life is now easy. You know, I just have to work and I can be home. I don't have all this time for other things. 
But then again, you know, that resting and sleeping was still something that I wasn't being not doing. And I realized that that's really what helps me improve my quality of work if I do this well. So I continue to look at myself on the four pillars like sleep, eat, move and rest and look how I'm balanced in all of these. And that's really helping me in what I do every day at work and at home and with my friends. So all of those things make a lot of sense, right? No one's going to go, no, you shouldn't sleep, you shouldn't eat, you shouldn't move and you shouldn't rest. Like that's, you're going to get like a, a thumbs up from almost everyone. But how much? Like, you know, work is like, well, I'm going to work from, I don't know, some people work from six in the morning till six at night or 10, mm -hmm. 10 hours or seven hours, ideally. And that's sort of a tangible-ish thing. You know, you've got meetings going in the calendar, everyone could see you yeah. working, but eating, sleeping, resting, moving. How do you get the numbers right? Yeah, it's a good question indeed, because I've been playing a lot with that because so I thought, for example, for me, I thought, well, I have to do my eight hours of work because that's what we are told to do. And we have to have our eight hours of sleep. But I also learned that we are all different as a person. So for me, I, I know very much that I have a need for seven hours as a minimum. So I do actually track it. And I, if I do an average of seven hours in the week, I know I'm good. With work, you know, if I enjoy what I'm doing, I can do more than eight, but I need to make sure that I do have some breaks in between and don't go back to back to back to back, which we have a tendency to do. So make sure that every few hours you have a break, it can be 50 minutes. You know, like I do meditate for 10 minutes, you know, in between and I go again and I'm such a better person again. So, you know, I wouldn't want to say it's eight hours of sleep, eight hours of, um, of um, you know, um, let's say work and an hour of exercise. But make sure that you do move every day. Make sure that you do take breaks during your work and make sure that you do get sleep, let's say between seven and eight, depending on who you are. And that you consider what you eat. I think if you just have those as a base, it's already a good start. But I guess my struggle is always like, well, what happens when you want to just drink lots of wine and eat terrible food and have a good time with your friends till late at night? And all of those things yeah. go out of the window. It's true. But you know what is nice? Because we're all human here, right? Nobody's perfect. Then, you know, the next day you just go, for, you know, you, you recover. And the day after you pick it up again, you know, because that's the human side of it. You know, nobody is perfect in my view. So what is your top marketing tip? 25 years in lots of different jobs in the same place. What is that bit of marketing so, advice that you, know, you share most often? Yeah, yeah, thank you for asking that one. Um, I was sort of doubting between two because when you asked me that question, when I, in my early career, my boss actually had two ones that he mentioned. One was choose your battles and one was making the difference. And um, if I look, you know, but really... Um, helped me in my life and brought me a lot in my life is really making a difference, not only in business, but also in, um, in uh, private life, because uh, it's not only focusing just on results and adding value, but it's really about what you do to truly make the difference. And, you know, making a difference is that you cause actually change, you know, to be important in some way, you know, that you really create a significant effect, you know. So and that goes along with don't be afraid to make mistakes, you know, so uh, and be open for new ideas. And still today, this is important, but also in the beginning of my career, um, it was nice for me that I didn't feel afraid of making mistakes and I've always been suggesting new ideas, been surrounded by people that uh, I could work with on new ideas. So breaking all thinking patterns, you know, thinking a bit 
reverse and getting fresh perspectives because I think that's what we need, you know, some fresh eyes and sometimes stepping back and coming with something new. So, and to me, you know, new ideas and, and surrounded by people that make the difference is, yeah, where you, where you do um, enjoy your life and uh, make the difference for you as a person as well. Well, I think you had like six different bits of advice there. Choose your battles, make the difference, make mistakes, bring fresh eyes, new ideas and bring new people in. So you've, you've got four or five there. So well done. All of those, all of those are great. So thanks, yeah. for, thanks for sharing and reminding us of those. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Madfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So now you're shiny new object, and we debated this for a while. Where you got to was making people adaptive to change. So that makes sense to me, but I'd love to have you yeah. introduce that as a concept. Yeah, um, you know, it's um, you heard me already a little bit being passionate about making the difference, which also was about uh, cause a change, right? So um, to me, I do believe that uh, the world today, you know, um, it's even more rapidly changing and um, people are the key aspect, you know, in life, you know, I'm very passionate about that, but also people that do are adaptive to change is really key within this whole environment because we need to constantly adapt and we constantly need to create. Um, if you see myself in um, in what I am from a background is actually um, is I'm actually having a business degree in, uh, in marketing um, and in business studies but I'm also a certified coach and a talent professional and nutritionist. And in all these areas, I do see that whenever I work with people, it's all about, you know, change and being adaptive and, you know, so facilitating people to motivate and inspire them to make changes, to make tweaks to their life. And a change can be small, a change can be big, but, you know, that's really where you make the difference in moving forward, right? So um, that's why also I think, you know, people need to be adaptive to change. And it's my drive to, uh, to let's say, motivate people to be more adaptive to change. If I look at it myself, since I was young, you know, I worked in restaurants, bars and clubs. And uh, I remember that I um, moved to Harlem for my studies. And uh, then I worked at the beach and there was actually a, um, a uh, pub owner that saw me working at the beach. And he said, well, you know, I really would like you to work in my bar, you know. And I said to him, I said, well, it's very nice of you to think about me, but your bar is actually pretty Sorry to say, it's quiet. It's a bit boring. I said, um, you know, if you would like me to work there, I would really like to change a few things. You know, I would really love to to see how we can do things differently. And um, I said, I can write you a business plan. And if you prove it, we go for it. And um, and so I made the plan. I changed quite a few things. And um, from adding a kitchen to adding live music and all different kinds of things in there. And after that, you know, he was adapted for the change and, you know, I could do it with him. And I hired 
people that were also um, open for it and adaptive to that change. And we run it successful for three years. So I think that's a nice way to show, you know, how this whole change is, uh, you know, and we, we doubled our revenue, if even not more. It was a beautiful way, but also we had a lot of fun in going through that change because it was constantly seeing what needs to be new. And then after that, you know, when I was actually done with that, when I worked there for three years, I actually had to go abroad for a year to the UK to do my studies there, my final year. And I came back the summer after um, to work at the beach for my last year before I was looking for my um, my job, actually, um, you know, my real job for after studies. <laughs> and I got interviewed by a few companies and, um, you know, and two, actually, I was offered a, a job and one was a pharmaceutical agency and a, a company. And the other one was Hexagon, which was then called Intergraph. But again, here I could see the difference. Actually, the pharmaceutical, I got a fixed contract. Actually, I did get actually more paid. Uh, Hexagon, I had a temporary contract. It was on pregnancy leave. But, uh, you know, it was the people and the mindset and uh, the openness for change and new ideas that made me go there. And that also today made me, you know, having a wonderful career at Hexagon. So that's also why today I do say if I do hire new people, I always check and they say, what kind of profile are you looking for? And I say, it's not about, you know, who you are, you know, it's about would you want to make the difference and are you adaptive to change? And um, I've been able to do great projects and great, um, you know, activities with um, people um, at Hexagon to do this. So, but also outside of the company, because, you know, the importance is for me to have the right people, you know, be surrounded by the right people and have the right people in your life you know business and private because they influence you know they make you happy they make you do better choices and also they help you in going through that change and uh, I see that I am very very much fascinated about people and change myself and therefore I also do really like to um, inspire you know people to um, make a difference and be adaptive to change. So going back to what you said earlier about sleep, eat, move and rest, mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of obvious, but hard to get right. And is anyone in an interview going to say they're not adaptive to change? I mean, I think I'm adaptive to change, but then I'm also yeah. human. And in the world where we're, we've got lots of different things vying for our attention, be it Slack or WhatsApp or email or you know, list all the things, that what we default to is delivering on tasks that, don't have as much cognitive load, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, yes. I'm going to send an email. Sally, cool. I'm not going to start like reinventing a cool intro to an email. I'm just yeah. going to, hi, Sally. Great to do the podcast with you the other day. I was thinking about X, Y, Z, right? And so I, I like to think that I'm adaptive to change, but in reality, I'm always just looking for shortcuts. I'm always just thinking, right, well, how can I replicate what I did last time or what that person did over there? Because I've got 9 million things to do and they've all got to be good. So how do you know if someone is actually adaptive to change? Yeah, it's... Um... So um, there's one thing, by the way, that I do believe that therefore it's always good to have interviews in person because I wouldn't ask the question, are you, are you making a difference? <laughs> say yes or no, right? Or are you adaptive to change? You know, because everybody would say yes, like you said, right? But I do believe by having an interview, by just asking questions, you can identify how the pe- persons are behaving 
Maybe it's also, you know, some more experience. Maybe it was more something on trust. But I do believe that you can see if you're asking people saying, where would you like to be in five years and what type of interest people have if they just want to go traditional or what did you do in your past? What what project did you do that made you proud? You know, you can ask tons of questions where you can really in my view, quite easily identify saying, is this something because people are asked to do this or are they really passionate about it? And to me, actually, when people have a passion about new ideas, etc., you can see that there is a drive from them and again, and then you can see that there's more adaptive to change. I think those are ways that I would identify it better. And then, although we're running out of time, it's really frustrating, but what's the first steps on getting an organization or a team adaptive to change? So, yeah, that's a good point as well. So for me, the first steps would really also be to um, make an environment that people feel good in. So as I mentioned before, I think people need to be able to make mistakes and not be afraid of it. So you need to have a good, you know, um, culture around you and a good, um, let's say, vibe or environment to make sure that people trust and are not afraid to make mistakes. And also that people are open to share ideas. And, you know, I mean, we've all had it, right? You have, so I have this open door policy and not only literally, but also saying I, I don't micromanage, but I do. I also do like that people say, OK, this is what I would like you to achieve. It's a bit like what you do, saying these are the questions and you come up with uh, what you would like to talk about. So I would do the same in project. What way would you like to do it? So I give them the environment to do it in their own way and come with new ideas and Whatever new idea it is, even if I think, hmm, not sure, said, okay, let's work it out. Let's go and try it, you know, and then we can see how it works and then we can learn from it. So that openness versus that trust being not afraid of making mistakes and the new idea, I think is key, you know, in an organization to make it work. Sally, I would love to carry on talking about this, but unfortunately we're at the end of the podcast now. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, where would you like them to do that? And what makes a great outreach to you? I think LinkedIn is still a great way to, to, um, to get in touch with me. And um, I like it when people um, do a little bit more personal, personalized outreach. So that means that uh, they understand that there is a mutual interest. So um, if uh, I get a message like that, you'll be sure you get an answer. Fantastic. Sally, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything, I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.